Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Greater Than Podcast. My name is Elijah Merle. So honored and blessed you took out the time to join us again today, whether it's on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all the other platforms. So glad that you clicked play on another episode of the Greater Than Podcast. Or if you're watching this on uh, YouTube or wherever, we want to thank you for being a part of this podcast today. We've got a special treat. Mr. Peter Fry from In Poverty is here on the podcast with us. Peter, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. It's good to be here. Thanks for thanks for allowing me to join you. Yeah, man, it's my honor. Hey, guys, what a great nonprofit ministry. We're going to talk about that in, in depth a little bit. I want to start us off in prayer with a quick prayer, and we're going to jump into this and uh, kind of talk about uh, In Poverty and uh, just the amazing work that they do. So let's pray. And we'll jump right on in. Father God, thank you so much for this podcast, for getting us, joining us here together. Uh, Lord, we ask that you'd help us to communicate well and represent well uh, your heart, your heart in the ministry of uh, in poverty, uh, your heart for uh, people, your heart for the poor to help uh, people, help us to communicate that well. Father, we ask that you speak beyond us even and help us to communicate beyond what we could think of, to share your vision and your heart to minister the gospel to the poor and to show forth your kindness and goodness in this earth, to make a change in this earth for your glory and your kingdom. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So, guys, I'm so thankful for you tuning in today and being a part of this. I'm going to start off here uh, with a couple of verses here. Uh, number one, I want to start in Psalms 112 in verse 5. It says, this is the New King James. It says, a good man deals graciously and lends. He will guide his affairs with discretion. Um, in poverty, uh, Brother Peter is going to tell us about it, but uh, there's the beautiful thing about in poverty. Like, I'll, I'll let him tell you in a little bit, but I'm going to read a, another verse here, and then I'm going to let uh, Peter kind of take over. I want to ask a question, point number one. I like to normally do three points on the podcast, so, but for this first question, I want to say this. Can you end poverty? Uh, so that's, that's the first question. I'm going to read this verse to you. That kind of talks about this. It's in Mark, excuse me, Matthew 26, verse 11. Jesus is talking here. And of course, we understand it's the story of the woman who has the alabaster box. We find out later that that's uh, Mary, who is actually the sister of Lazarus. And uh, he, Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead. She was so grateful. So she got this very costly alabaster box and brought it to Jesus. Judas freaks out and he's like, what are you doing? This could have been given to the poor. Jesus responds to that with this uh, quote here from this verse. He says, you will always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of times some people may use that verse to say, well, I mean, the nonprofit is called in poverty. So how in the world can you end quote unquote poverty when Jesus said you'll always have the poor with you? So Peter, sir, take the floor and tell us about in poverty. Yeah. So let me, um, well, first, first, yeah, let's let's address that um, your your first question there. You know, a lot of I hear that question quite a bit. You know, and many many people many people interpret that that verse as um, you know you can't overcome poverty. You know, it's a useless cause. Don't waste your money on us. You know, Jesus said it. Um, but that's actually only half the sentence of the scripture that the poor will always have. You know, the poor you will always have with you. You know, the, the second half of the scripture actually says, but you will not always have me. And so Jesus is actually in that verse, he's directly speaking to the disciples, you know, and he's referring to to their own lifetimes. And he's saying that the fact that the very next day he's going to be crucified, you know, he wasn't giving kind of like a, a 
uh, a lifetime sentence of poverty to the poor, but he was kind of referring to the fact that the next day they, that, that he will not be with them physically. Um, you know, but it, I think Jesus, what, it, what the point that he's also making inside that scripture is, is the fact that, that our worship and our service to him comes before all other people as well. Oh, you know, and, our, and, our, and our good works that, that we do, even in his name, you know, should not kind of precede our, our worship and service to him as well. So I think that's in a kind of an important aspect, but, um, but the scriptures kind of are filled with them, um, you know, you know, lines of just saying how, how actually we are called to serve the poor and actually how, you know, the, how we are created in the Lord's image, but also of, of, of the abundant life that God promises us as well. Um, and so, so yeah, so it's, so it's quite interesting, but also the, that, that scripture as well, Jesus is actually quoting from Deuteronomy. And so there's, there's a, there's a line there at the, where it says that, you know, there will always be the, the poor people in the land, but therefore I command you to be open-handed towards your fellow Israelites who are poor and needy in your land. And so it's a, it, it's kind of, you know, in one way it's, our biblical response to poverty should be open-handedness. You know, it's oh. not not a reason to ignore the poor, um, but actually to draw near to them with generosity, you know, and how to serve and how to to respond to them. And Jesus is actually calling us to that. Um, and he would have known that the disciples would have been aware of that as well. So, but, but many times people kind of, um, and unfortunately actually can be quite, um, can use it as a way of saying like, no, the poor, poor, poor are always going to be there. So we shouldn't, and strive towards bringing justice and actually being generous and serving those that are less fortunate and are in need, um, which oh, I think is really important. No, that's great. Um, I'll jump in here. That's funny. We, we talked about like, you know, if you want to be a good podcaster, let me just give you some tips, people. If you want to be a good podcaster, you want to always talk in advance to the people that you're having on your show, talk, all, go over points, all that. We went over the questions that we we're going to ask and the things we're going to look at here. But uh, it's beautiful that he uses Deuteronomy 1511 is what Peter used. We didn't talk about that verse, but that was literally going to be my next verse. I was going to tell everybody that that's what Jesus is actually quoting. He's not saying don't help the poor. He's actually quoting scripture. He's saying, you've always got them here and the he uh, peter read it i'm gonna read it from the amp from the amplified it says the poor will never cease out of the land therefore i command you you shall open wide your hands to your brethren the needy and the poor that are in your land so it's a beautiful thing uh, it yeah. says in that same verse in the passion translation in matthew 26 11 jesus says you will always have someone poor watch this whom you can help mm. you'll always have somebody you can help uh in mark is Mark's account of this in Mark 14, 7, it says, you have the poor with you always, and whenever you wish, you can do them good. Here's yeah. a little side note here. That word, do them good, you know, feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, supplying for the necessities of life. But that word good is the Greek word E-U. I don't know how to pronounce it, so I'll just say E-U. And that simply means well done. It's the same verse that God says to the people who had the talents, well done. Mm. So it's it's almost as if God is saying here, if you want to, this is a key to hearing well done, mm. is what I'm saying. This is a key to being able to hear well done on that day is in helping the poor. So Peter, would you kind of tell us about in poverty and, uh, and give us some history about that? 
Yeah, so so our so End Poverty was was set up. It kind of was a, an organization that the kind of the founding vision was started in the '60s by a, a Reverend Paris Reedhead, and he was he was kind of involved in the global missions movement, and he he served in um, Sudan for for you know with a church there in Sudan for quite a while. But he actually came back to the United States because he felt that. You know, for him to kind of, he felt like he had a vision to, um, and that the key to mobilize the global church um, was, his vision was to, to mobilize the global church by addressing the world's number one problem of unemployment. You know, and he felt that there was a huge need to, um, to, to equip people to escape the, the poverty that they were trapped in. And in order to actually sustain the, the gospel message to actually go out and for, for, um, for the Lord's kingdom to come and for man to live in, in abundance and um, in life of, in all its fullness that God promises us, that, that he felt that, that some changes needed to, to occur in order to have that. And he, he felt that the, the global missions movement had done a great job at, at helping the, the global church to become self-governing. He felt that there had been great strides in making the, the local church to become self-propagating, uh, but there was still a lot of work that needed to be done to help the local church to become self-supporting because of the level of, of unemployment and the level of poverty that was actually really restricting um, the local church from flourishing. But it also it was, it was you know, keeping a, a dependence on the West as well. And so, so he set up in poverty with the vision to, to mobilize those that are committed to, to Jesus and to missions and the local church by addressing the number one problem of unemployment in the developing world. Wow. So, so 35 years on, that's what we're doing. We, we empower hardworking men and women with, with both the economic and spiritual, economic and spiritual resources that they need to unleash their own capacities to liberate themselves and their communities, their families from the entanglements of poverty. And so, and so that's kind of what we've been doing is just finding entrepreneurs and giving them the resources and the tools that they need to succeed and to, to create jobs, employment and value for their communities. And in that way to help the local church to flourish as well. So great. Um, I want to move on to our second point, but then uh, I want Peter to kind of tell us a couple of testimonials, so testimonies of people uh, who have done this and who have been successful. So the second thing we want to talk about is the importance of self-sufficiency. Yeah, um, that's the second thing we want to talk about here, because that's kind of what in poverty is kind of about. Right. Uh, like you said, setting them up, uh, you know, and for my culture, for my people, it's kind of like throwing the ball, right, throwing the ball and then letting them do the slam dunk. That's an alley hoop that, you know, that's the whole principle of it. You know, somebody throws the ball and then the other person comes, grabs the ball in the midair, dunks it in. That's an alley hoop. So that's kind of what in poverty is doing, endeavoring to set people up for the alley hoop. So the, the importance of self-sufficiency, I'm going to use a couple of uh, stories here. In Mark chapter 6, Jesus talks about feeding the, 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 the multitude there. And in Mark chapter 6, and I'm just giving us verses to kind of show forth the heart of God. And then I love to do this on the podcast, have somebody up here who not only knows the scriptures, but are doing it, doing something with it in their everyday life, because that's what we're called to do. James talks about being doers of the word and not a hearer only. Uh, when you do that, you deceive yourself. And the worst deception is self-deception. And um, so anyway, here in Mark chapter 6, Jesus is talking about feeding the multitude. And he tells the disciples, you give them something to eat. And they said, uh, can, shall we buy 200 pennies worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he asked them this. He said, how many loaves do you have? Watch this. He, he told, goes on to tell them, go and see. He wants them to go and see what they already had. What do you have? Go and see. 
They found out five loaves, two fishes. We know the story. We know what happens next. But he goes on to say here, when he'd taken the five loaves, he looked up to heaven, he blessed it, broke the loaves. But watch this. He gave it back to the disciples mm -hmm. to give to the, to the people. So notice this. Jesus didn't even necessarily hand out any food that day. He simply blessed it, gave it back to the disciples, and the, the fishes multiplied in the disciples' hands, not in Jesus' hands, but in the disciples' hands. Mm -hmm. Why? Because he's teaching them self-sufficiency, teaching them, hey, you go and you find out what you have. Take account of what you have. Go and see. Uh, the Bible talks about knowing the state of your flocks. Go and see what you have. And then be able, and give it to God and watch him do something with it. But he'll give it right back to you. Another story I'll, I'll say here, there's a widow woman. And he goes up to the prophet of the day and said that uh, my, my servant, uh, my, your, your servant, my husband, he's dead. The creditors are come. They're going to take our kids. This is something that is so drastic, something that's so, man, she's going to lose her children. This is, a, this is a very serious thing, man. So she asked the, the prophet, what can I do? The prophet said, what's in your house? He asked her what she already had in her house. And she said, I only got a little oil. She said, he said, go borrow some vessels. So she, so listen, the miracle wouldn't have happened if there were not people that were willing to lend the vessels to her because mm -hmm. he told her to go and borrow vessels. That means that there are going to be some lenders involved in this miracle. There were lenders involved in that miracle. So she goes and, and she does it. And as long as she had a vessel under the oil, the Bible says that the oil kept flowing. There was prosperity. She got to a place of self-sufficiency. She went back to the prophet and said, what do I do now? He said, go pay off all the debtors and then you live off of the rest. But here's what I found in God. God doesn't do handouts, uh, quote unquote handouts. But what he does is he'll use what's in your house mm -hmm. and he'll multiply what's in your hand. I'm going to say that again. He'll use what's in your house and multiply what's in your hand. And so self-sufficiency is key and a beautiful thing. So, Peter, would you kind of give us, a, like, in poverty, their stance on that self-sufficiency? Take it away, sir. Yeah, for sure. So, so one thing is, you know, eradicating or ending poverty is, is a very complicated um, issue, right? It's a very kind of multifaceted aspect. And, you know, there's no magic bullet for the poverty that, that is plaguing many nations, you know. But, but one encouraging part is, you know, history does teach us some of the important factors that are necessary in order to end poverty, but also to create wealth. You know, and business and entrepreneurship and, you know, creating value from within are definitely the keys to prosperity and economic growth. You know, they're like, it, it is, it's very evident that it's an essential um, component if we want to help countries to, to develop and countries, communities, families, um, individuals, right? And one of the challenges that we find is that, you know, we still have this very paternalistic view in the West of actually how we, we view the poor as as beneath us you know we view them as recipients of our own charity you know rather than acknowledging the 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 individual and acknowledging the these people who have been created in god's image you know with with dignity with capacity with creativity with zeal and drive you know they don't want to be beggars you know these these people have, have been created they have dreams and aspirations and we feel like it's an imp a critical component of actually how do you 
um, enable and, and work with them as these creative agents rather than as, as people to receive our charity to help them. And that's a, it's such a huge important part. If you want to create self-sustaining, abundant nations and families is to really to, to be thinking through that lens of actually how do we help people to flourish not how do we come and solve their problems because no nobody nobody wants that you know nobody even as we look at our children you know it's you don't look at your child and say i you are going to become an accountant you are going to become uh, a physician you know you 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 learn about your child and you as a parent you allow them to develop their own skills their own passions you know what what their strengths and then and in some ways you want to create an environment where they can actually flourish and and be who be who who God created them to be you don't come and prescribe a solution for them and so for us that's a, a critical component and we we believe you know unleashing that kind of entrepreneurial spirit of the developing world is is a is a missing part of actually how we try to, to, to end poverty, how we try to um, eradicate poverty. And so, and, and if you look at the scriptures, you know, you know, in Genesis, you know, God clearly created us to work, you know, we're going to be working in heaven. We're working here on earth already, you know, and God calls us to be fruitful, to multiply, to fill the earth and yeah. to, to have dominion over every living thing that moves on the earth, you know, and he, he wants yeah. us to, um, to preserve the earth and to, and to work it. Right. And, um, and in that way, it's kind of, as we are created in God's image, that's where he, you know, he created the earth, he created the animals, he created us. And so he wants us to go and create, he wants us to go and, and to, to make products and services and businesses that, that replicate um, what he has put in us as creators as well. And so, so we, so we, we firmly believe in, in work and, and business and entrepreneurship as a, as an expression of our own creativity. Um, but the other part about it is, is it's not that, you know, money is the most important thing of actually a business so that we can have money so that we can be successful. You know, we, we believe that there's this element of earned success, you know, and that to have an abundant life and kind of the keys to, to human flourishing are not necessarily money, but actually in a, a, a level of earned success. You know, Arthur Brooks talks about, about earned success as, as a means of, as a means and ability to create value honestly. You know, it's not about winning the lottery or inheriting a fortune or, or even picking up a, a social welfare check but actually earned success is the creation of value in our lives, but also in the lives of others. And we feel that that's a critical component of actually developing a, a stable and prosperous and an abundant society is, is for people to have jobs that they enjoy and they flourish in. And so, and so it's not just about the, for us, when we look at poverty, it's not just the number of people living in poverty. Like there's 736 million people who are currently living in poverty around the world. But in, on top of that, you've got 1.4 billion people who are living in vulnerable uh, levels of employment. So, so, so they, have, they have a job that they could use every, that they could lose every day, or they, they're not yeah. enjoying, the, it's not satisfying um, their skills or what they're passionate about. It's, it's merely a job to try and survive. And so, and we don't, and we believe that there should be, you know, of how to create quality jobs where people can um, 
can enjoy and can actually grow as an individual and can, um, can develop their own skills and be an expression of what God created them to be. And so, so we believe that work and entrepreneurship is, is a key component of, of ending poverty, not just in a creating wealth and value for people to, to survive, to feed themselves and to pay for medical expenses, but also as an expression of as, as men and women to actually be successful and to create value for themselves, but also for, for our own neighbors. Um, and so we believe that's a kind of a, a critical component. And that's sort of what we try to integrate into our um, response to the, to the, to the, the poverty that we see around the world is, is actually how do we kind of be that catalyst to, to help entrepreneurs to go on and create value for their neighbors and their community. And so because entrepreneurs are, are wired that little bit differently, you know, and so it's how do we kind of channel our resources and our, um, and our skills to be able to, to help entrepreneurs create businesses that go on and create value for others. And so one, one sort of short testimonial is like when I was, um, when I was visiting Uganda, I went to, to visit one of the, our communities where we've been, we've been working for, for 10, 15 years. And, um, and this lady named Sylvia actually brought me around her village. And so she brought me around from business to business to business and kind of just telling me the journey of what's happened in the last 15 years in that community. And, um, and one of the kind of the center part of this, this village just sort of in the hills of Entebbe, just sort of outside of Kampala, um, was this this kind of huge um, quarry and so she was like peter you know 15 years ago i was actually working in this quarry and my job was to kind of to, to take the wheelbarrows of, of of clay and rock and actually wheel them around um and so but as i was getting older and older i could just see that this was going to be my life and i wanted i had dreams for my children and i wanted i didn't want my children to be doing this same job that i was doing in 20 years and so she actually came down to the she came down to the city and was looking for for support she found our our local partner there um in the city who who told her if you mobilize three or four people and bring together a community of of people who could who are interested to start businesses then we can start to work with you together so the organization came gave her kind of that initial startup capital lended her some money to be able to start a small convenience store at the edge of her house so that all the workers that were going to the to the quarry were actually to buy were able to buy coca-colas and bread and snacks um, and that was kind of her side business for her to be able to just generate a little bit of additional income. But then, you know, it, it graduated into chickens and pigs and eventually her business began to grow and flourish. And, and you know, and then, and then she was able to, um, to buy a piece of land for her family. So for her, she had this huge sense of success of, I now own the piece of land in, in this community. I've built a house and my children are going to school. And, and that's because of what I've been able to create with this business. And so she had this huge sense of pride and she even told me, she's like, Peter, but one of my next dreams is I, I can't wait to learn how to drive a car. And so for me, it was that kind of like really um, sort of interesting connection for me of, of, of how she, she had dreams and that was her next goal that she wanted to accomplish. And so I was always kind of admired her sense of accomplishment of what she had done. And she didn't sit there and sort of thank me, Peter, thank you for what you've done. Thank your organization. She had that sense of pride of going, Peter, I was given an opportunity and this is what I've done. You know, I've been part of this and I've created this for, for, my, for my family and for my children. And then the other part was as I looked around at all the other um, younger women in the village who she had created a group with all of these younger women 
And they had all gone on and started businesses themselves. You know, they, well, some of them had a restaurant. Another one had kind of like a home cinema for people to take a rest during the afternoon. Another person uh, drove a motorbike as kind of like a taxi business. But the, and many of these businesses were actually more profitable and more successful than Sylvia's. But what Sylvia had done is she had become a pioneer. She had shown these, these other younger women an example of what you can achieve um, if you put your mind to something. And so the ripple effect of actually kind of catalyzing Sylvia's ambition to, to create value for herself and for her community was, was magnified through that community as the, as the rest of these women went on to start their own businesses. And so that's, that's kind of in a nutshell why we firmly believe that the key component to actually eradicate poverty is to, is to equip entrepreneurs with, with, the, with the tools that they need because then they go on to create value for themselves but also to the others. And it's a ripple effect that goes on. And then and our local partner was able to, to, to steward and to disciple that community by um, facilitating and encouraging Bible studies and support prayer groups as well, just to, to help kind of mentor and, and coach the women um, as they are developing their businesses, but also just kind of going through the day-to-day -day challenges of living in, in an impoverished community. And so, and so just being able to be there for them both to create that fun, financial sustainability, but also that, that spiritual dependence on each other and, and learning about the scriptures as well. So that's kind of a, in a nutshell of how we see, you know, development, but also we see our role in bringing the kingdom and, and equipping entrepreneurs to, to be that grassroots solution to ending poverty. That's so good. Wow, that's amazing. I love, I love what you brought up. I think you brought it up earlier, the, the genesis about, uh, what Jesus, what God said and instituted about having dominion over the earth, subduing it, all that kind of stuff. I love what you said about um, the testimony that you were sharing, how she, she wasn't like, oh, thank you so much. Thank you. No, she was like, yeah. you gave me an opportunity and I did something with it. Yeah. It reminds me of the, what I read earlier about the talents, that parable, right? The, mm -hmm. When God gave them that, those talents, they did something with it and it, it caused an effect. And, and people's lives were changed because of that. Such a beautiful thing. Yeah. Uh, one book that I want to read, and then we'll move on to the, to the third point here, is in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8 in the Amplified, it says, God is able to make all grace and every favor and earthly blessing come to you in abundance so that you always, under all circumstances, and whatever the need, watch this, be self-sufficient. Mm -hmm. That's what he's calling uh, that's what God wants. That's what he's able to make all the grace abound towards you. Why? So that you can do something with it and become self-sufficient, possessing enough to require no aid or support and furnished in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. That's mm. beautiful. Goes right along with what we're talking about here. The third thing I want to say here is uh, just uh, responsible stewardship. And the, the verse that I look up here is Luke 16, 11 through 12. It says, therefore, if you've not been faithful, in the unrighteous manner, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who will give you that which is your own? Peter, kind of talk about that. I know there's a spot where people can go to the website and look at in poverty. There's a spot that, that uses that verse and kind of talks about that. Uh, can you kind of shed some light on that? Because I, I want to kind of talk to those people who are not as trusting with nonprofits, because obviously there's crooks in any profession whatever you want to talk about, crooked lawyers, doctors, everything, and including crooked nonprofits. So what's the difference? You know, yeah. is this just another nonprofit? What's the difference? Kind of let us in. 
Yeah, so, so we, yeah, we definitely believe that exactly. It's not our goal to be in existence forever. You know, we shouldn't, we shouldn't be in a country for 50 years. You know, in, in poverty's role is, is we want to kind of catalyze movements, kind of go in, provide resources, provide tools for entrepreneurs like Sylvia to succeed, but then to exit, to leave and actually allow Sylvia to be that change agent who is, is, is starting a business, growing a business and, and creating that sustainability um, in what they're doing. And then for us to move on and go to the next community. Um, and so we don't want to create that, that long-term dependence and of, of our own existence as well. So for us, that's kind of responsible stewardship is, is playing a role in, in eradicating poverty, um, but not um, kind of trying to be there forever, you know? And so for us, the way we look at it, you know, you know, ending poverty is, is not the same as kind of creating a prosperity, you know? And so, so when we look at the, the situation, we're like, what was um how can we create wealth for a community and then be able to kind of allow them to have their choice of what does their community need what does their family need you know is this access to education or healthcare or safety security and good governance um and so for us responsible stewardship is actually to to equip and empower a community to be able to make those decisions themselves um but when we look at families, we're not able to provide all of those resources. You know, we can't create a system that through our organization to be able to solve all of those problems, but we can actually empower entrepreneurs to create jobs where people can then be equipped and empowered to solve problems for themselves. Um, and so that's a, that's a huge part, but, but there's definitely, you know, when we look back on the last 40, 50 years, there's been significant progress of, of reducing the number of people living in extreme poverty. Um, but when you look at Africa, for example, um, we're definitely not as far along or as successful as we would want to be. You know, the $4.3 trillion in development assistance that has been, that has been poured into Africa, you know, it, it doesn't necessarily mean that, that the level of growth um, or, the, or the level of poverty has actually developed um, more than what it should. And so, and, and when we look at, you know, by, by 2050, it's predicted that nine out of 10 people who are living in poverty are actually going to be living in Africa. And so we actually believe that, you know, in order to be responsible stewards of, of every dollar that we receive this year, um, you know, it needs to go into solutions that are going to be sustainable, that actually are going to equip and empower families to be part of the solution, um, but are also going to, going to revolve, that are gonna uh, um, sustain themselves for a long time and, and actually multiply as well. And so for us, that's why it comes down to actually empowering entrepreneurs. And so because we believe that as, as you do empower an entrepreneur to actually create value and to grow their business and to create jobs for other people, then, you know, it, you, know you always think of, of the kind of the orphan crisis, you know, and so there's so many children that are being dropped off in, in orphanages, but how many of those women and men who are dropping their children off um, because they're living in such desperate poverty that they can't actually provide for the basic needs of their children. Um, but if you were to give them a job, if, if someone in their community was able to give them an opportunity to, to work alongside them and so that they could keep their children and continue to parent their children, 
would they still drop their child off? And so for us, that's responsible, responsible stewardship is actually equipping them to be able to solve those problems. And so, so our model, you know, we have kind of a four-step process in the model. And so we feel it's a very kind of, it's a simple model, but it's very effective. And it's, it's something that we've followed over the last 35 years. And our, and our, our first step is just, you know, finding um, enterprising, hardworking, trusting, um, people with very strong character, you know, in the most unreached locations around the world, you know, people with the potential and the desire to become long-term self-supporting, um, but, but to be people who, who can create that value for the community. And so that's, we have this sort of our, our, our due diligence process to ensure that we're working with the right people who can, who can help us create that value for the people who are living in poverty. Um, the next step is, is about funding their enterprises and it's about giving them kind of affordable capital lending it to them to be able to to kickstart their business you know whether it's to to purchase you know more inventory in bulk or whether it's to be able to afford a motorbike to be able to transport your goods at an affordable price but sort of using um capital to be able to remove some of the barriers that are trapping people in poverty because they don't have access to money to be able to start a business. And so that's kind of our second step is actually using funding and using capital to actually give the poor the opportunity that they need um, and to get out of poverty. And the next step is, is, is following these communities, following these individuals in a long-term kind of relational method. And, you know, so for us, it's whether it's through, through the local community of entrepreneurs that's, that's established to, to, um, to start their businesses or whether it's through a local church who is um, bringing the entrepreneurs from their congregation um, but for us, it's about sort of walking alongside these businesses and mentoring and coaching them with the tools they need both to, to equip them to grow their businesses, but also to, um, to help them grow as individuals and their learning of the scriptures, but also integrating them into a church community. And then for us, those three steps lead to fulfillment. You know, that for us, that leads to an abundant life, you know, of, of giving them opportunities to, to control their own destiny, to provide for their children, to create value for themselves, but also for their own community. So that's kind of our, our sort of four-step process to be able to, to, to combat the both the spiritual poverty, but also that financial poverty as well. Because, you know, in, in the West, you know, we have a very different lens than, let's say, in the developing world. You know, in the West, we tend to look at poverty as very much so as a financial element, you know, which is, in, in a sense, has created its own problems, you know, of, of, of how we, we idolize money and, you know, and how it has become our own master um, in our possessions. You know, but the poor, they tend to... Um, you know, they tend to, to really talk about the poverty that, that is entrapping them in, in kind of terms of, of shame and inferiority or, or powerlessness that, that in some ways is, is keeping them in that place of helplessness. And so for us, kind of equipping them with the choice and the ability to, um, to, to be part of that transformation to get out of poverty is a huge way of giving them that sense of pride and that sense of dignity that can be such a critical tool to, to escape from poverty. Uh, that's great. That is great. Um, so yeah, guys, this is um, what we're, they're about there, what they're doing. Uh, Peter, where can they, you know, donate? Where can they look at you guys up? All that kind of stuff. Yeah, so so our website is our name, so um, which is quite a bit, an easy way. So it's it's www.endpoverty.org. So e n d p o v 
erty.org. And so, and that's kind of our, our website and it gives you a list of kind of some of the testimonials of, of, of the entrepreneurs, you know, the locations we're working at, our values, um, and a little bit of the history. And then of course, there's a, a donation page. And right now we're, we've kind of set up a, a good Samaritan fund and our kind of focus right now because of the, the COVID pandemic is with so many of these businesses being taken out of action because of the, the lockdowns and the curfews, it's how do we help resuscitate as many businesses as possible? And so around the world, they don't have the luxury of the stimulus package that we, that we all received in the United States. And so what we're trying to do is, is get $50 to as many of these businesses like Sylvia as possible so that they can re restart their businesses as they've been wiped out the last three months. And so if yeah, anyone who, would, who, who is in a, in a position to help, that would be great. And what was that? What was that? The amount again, Peter? So we're we're looking to raise fifty dollars per entrepreneur. Okay, so, great. So our great. goal is to raise two hundred thousand dollars to to help as many entrepreneurs as possible. That's awesome. That's awesome. Hey guys, hey those who listen to the podcast, those who know and and trust me. Hey, because people are all the time like, I want to be able to give into something that I can believe in that I know is. Hey, here it is. You mm -hmm. know, I'm, here's one. Uh, I trust this ministry. I trust what they're doing. They've got fruit. It speaks for themselves. This is one that you can partner with. Uh, do whatever you know you're able to do. What's on your heart to do. Um, there, there's no pre pressure. But by all means, if you're able to, please uh, get involved. You know, get involved in helping somebody, doing what we're called to do to help the poor and to be the hands and feet of Jesus in this earth. Man, it's a beautiful thing. And uh, I just pray a blessing over any person who has it on their heart to give. We speak a blessing over you. And uh, man, I thank you that for doing that. The Bible says that whoever gives to the poor lends to the Lord, and the Lord repays them. So you can expect for God himself to repay you. That's a crazy thought, but that's what the Bible says, and I believe it. It's a beautiful thing. Hey, Peter, uh, before we go here, I don't know if we actually officially said your position at In Poverty. Can you kind of tell everyone what you do there? Yeah, so I'm the executive director. So I head up the organization here in, um, in Virginia. And so the rest of the team is spread out all over the world. So we have a very- oh, where, where are all you guys? Where, where are you all at? All the places? The team, so we have uh, team members in Canada, South Africa, Kenya, Hong Kong, and then in each country, you know, we have kind of local partners, which are, you know, built with um, people from each country. And so, you know, from Guatemala, Cameroon, Zambia, um, Uganda, Kenya, um, India, Philippines, Bangladesh. It's kind of, they're the, the countries that we're working, at, uh, working with at the moment. And some of a lot of these partnerships we've had for, for, for two or three years, but also for 35 years as well. So we've got a kind of a longstanding relationship with, with each one of our local partners. And so, so it kind of ensures that, uh, that we know exactly how, how money's being used and, and how we're, we're tracking the progress and the impact of every donation that we receive. That's great. That's awesome. Yeah, guys, like I said, uh, there's, there's, there's ways for you to get involved uh, in poverty.org. Is that correct, uh, Peter, yeah. sir? Uh, in poverty.org is a way. Um, I think you, you guys have a couple of videos up there too, where they can yep. watch and see and get some interviews and things of that nature. It's a great thing, guys. Uh, like I said, people are all the time looking for something that they can 
give in and, and donate in that they can believe in. I believe that you've got one right here. So we appreciate you guys for doing that. Um, man, like I said, I thank you guys for being a part of this podcast, whether you watched it or whether you listened to it. Thanks so much for being a part of this. Um, I think it's a good thing. And I kind of, if, if you don't mind, Brother Peter, I'd love to pray over in poverty and, and have everybody join us listening, just kind of be in agreement together about in poverty, if you don't mind, sir. That'd be great. All right. Well, Father God, I do. I pray over in poverty what you called them to do for the ministry. Father, thank you for each and every listener, everybody who's been involved in this. Father, I speak a blessing over them. I thank you, Father, for uh, in poverty and what you called them to do for giving them partners, people who can come alongside them to help them to do this and to uh, eradicate poverty, to start doing this, Father, to, to build self-sufficiency, to get to a place and for the, their heart to be responsible stewards of what you've called and given to them. Father, you, you're not, you don't, you're not unjust. You don't forget uh, a seed. You don't forget the labor of love that they've done, Father. So we say in this season that in poverty is blessed. You're bringing people, even those who are listening to this podcast and involved in the podcast, to give and to to donate and be a part of the ministry and to be a part of doing that just that ending poverty for your glory and we give you praise for that we speak a blessing over peter and all the different teams represented father that you're giving them strength wisdom favor grace to do what they're called to do and to do it in a way that pleases you in jesus name amen amen well, guys, thank you so much for listening to the podcast today, whether it was on Apple Podcasts, Google, YouTube, wherever you're looking and listening at this. We're so honored that you took out the time to join us today. My name's Elijah Merle, and remember this, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Thank you for listening to the Greater Than Podcast. If you'd like to learn more, please visit us at MerleMinistries.com. That's M-U-R-R-E-L-L ministries.com.